0: grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. What an ordeal. I know you've experienced it before. Weeks or months of dealing with a challenging life situation where you are eventually forced to your knees in complete surrender, vulnerability, and humility in the presence of God, crying out to him saying, I don't have it, God. I don't have it altogether. I I need you. I need you. I can't do this on my own. Many of you know that I've been dealing with good old-fashioned COVID for uh, the better part of a month now. I am getting better and better day by day, and I give God thanks for that. Uh, I'm just working on getting my full energy back and dealing with this little lingering cough. And so my prayers are that it stays aside while I'm trying to preach today, but you may just have to deal with me coughing a little bit, so bear with me. But originally when I had uh, COVID, when it first hit, I did have a fever fever. For almost two weeks, and that was, that was rough. That was a long haul. It took its toll for sure, but I reassure you I'm doing well. The doctors have reassured me I am not contagious. I don't have the black plague, just in case you're worried. But besides dealing with COVID, I, I do want to let you in on a little bit more of what's been going on in my life, uh, because there is more, and I do believe it contributed to the severity of my illness, but even more so than that, it contributed to forcing me on my knees in complete surrender to God. Some of you know uh, that I have four young kids. Uh, Two of them, uh, you may know, have dealt with some very serious uh, eczema, skin issues, and It seems like perhaps we're going to be dealing with that with our youngest as well. And this has led to a multi-year journey in our family of trying to figure out how to help these kids. And one thing, one road that we have taken was to do some environmental testing of our home. And that did lead us down a path where uh, we found some mold in our home. Now, the toxicity levels of that mold in our home uh, we're actually within a, maybe a normal range, you would say. Uh, but through allergy testing, we know that our children are actually very allergic to mold. So, this was a route that we wanted to go down to remediate this mold from our home and, and have that taken care of uh, to potentially help our children. And for the company that we hired to remediate this mold, uh, to do that properly, one of the things that we needed to do was to remove things out of the rooms uh, that would be having mold remediated. So in the months of November and December, we spent the weekends boxing things up and moving them into our garage. And so uh, this was basically emptying out our entire basement, which is a play area for the children, and lots of storage. We had to empty things out of bedrooms. And so it's just been quite the whirlwind leading up uh, to Christmas. And then two days after Christmas on the 26th, we actually went to Minnesota for two weeks for vacation. Well, coming back from vacation, we spent one night at our home on January 7th, and then on January 8th on that Saturday, we had to spend the entire day finishing packing things up and moving out because the mold remediator was coming that day to begin work on our home. Thankful uh, we are to Carl and Michelle Trinkler, the owners of Northwinds Adventures, who are here today, uh, for offering us a cabin to stay at um, at their property for the the duration of this time. But while we were there, it was quite the whirlwind, if you can uh, imagine what we were dealing with, going from boxing up our home to Christmas to two weeks of vacation to coming back, boxing things up. Uh, moving out once again, living out of suitcases for weeks. And then three days later, I was sick. <laughs> Sicker than I had been in my whole life. Uh, couple all of that with uh, some baby, uh, baby-caused sleep deprivation, and we were uh, pretty tired and worn out. It was hard being away from home, while also being so sick. Our family routine was so uh, messed up that we didn't know which way was up. And it was difficult not knowing when we would be able to return back to our home. Well, the mold remediator finished his work within a week, but then our home was in quite a bit of disarray, needing to have drywall repaired and electrical things put back together, and originally my plan was to just go and take care of all of that stuff myself, because that's who I think I am, that I am stubborn enough to deal with all this stuff myself, but I obviously was in no condition to put my home back the way that it ought to be, and who am I kidding? I'm not even good at putting drywall back together, nor do I like doing that kind of stuff. So I have to say a huge thanks to Marcus Huff, uh, our director of youth and campus ministry here, who put together a team, uh, John Steenport, uh, Dwayne Fensky, the Webbers, and, and others who came into our home, put our house back together, painted it. We are so, so grateful. Uh, Laura Huff put together a meal train for our family, and, uh, and many of you contributed to that, dropping off meals, Pastor Kevin, you, you, you nailed it, covering things here, preaching, tending to responsibility. Sam leading music, Dave leading music. We don't know what we would have done without you guys. We love you. Thank you. In those weeks of being sick, away from home, completely dependent on other people, I was reminded once again that I need These kinds of experiences in my life. I want to tell you all of this about my life today, not as some sort of pity party, not as some sort of comparison where we debate whose problems are worse than others, because some of you are going through some incredibly difficult things. I just want to share my life with you today to let you know that as troublesome and as hard as it was, I need to be humbled. I need to be brought down to my knees in God's presence. I need to be humbled and be vulnerable in God's presence and in the presence of others to remember that I'm not my own. I belong to Jesus. He has my life in his hands, plain and simple. See, if I'm not forced into times of humility, I might just end up like Manasseh or Amen or Jehoahaz, or Jehoiachin, or Jehoiakim, or Zedekiah, or all of these evil, wicked, selfish, faithless kings of Judah. I might just end up pursuing whatever I want to pursue instead of listening to the simple word of God and his promise to give me life. Those of you who have been journeying with us We are in the middle of the story. We're about halfway through it. We are in chapter 17 today. And those of you who have been with us, here's where we are at in this story. We're working our way chronologically through the Bible. We are at this place now where God had established his people and his kingdom. Things had been going really well, kings had been faithful. But as we heard last week and over the course of the last few weeks, the kings had become evil. They had become wicked. They had become selfish. The northern kingdom now of Israel, the the northern ten tribes, they've been cast off into exile by the Assyrians. They will never be heard from again. There is just a small remnant of God's people living in the tribe of Judah, primarily in the city of Jerusalem. But the kings are evil, and they are wicked. There's only one good king we read about. His name is Josiah, and he does everything that he can to reestablish God's good order in the kingdom. But as soon as Josiah dies, things begin to fall apart. These kings, they are so arrogant. They are so prideful, so selfish. They're downright wicked. And it finally reaches the point where God allows another foreign king, the King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians, (coughs) to come to Jerusalem, tear down the temple, burn it down, tear down the walls, burn down all the important buildings, kill many people, carry people off into exile. This, This is where we're at in chapter 17. This is not good for God's people. It sure seems like this is the end, the end of the story, the end of God's people, is it? It sure seems like it according to worldly standards. But God in his almighty wisdom and grace is always faithful to his word of promise to give life. A long time ago, at the beginning of the story, God made a promise to Abraham that through Abraham, all nations of the earth would be blessed. That promise was passed from Abraham to his son Isaac, from Isaac to his son Jacob, even down now to these people who are being faithless to God. Even in the midst of their faithlessness, God is faithful to his promise to work it out. He is going to use these people some way, somehow, to bless all the people of the earth. You'll have to stay tuned as we go through this story to see how he's going to work it out. But a little spoiler alert, it has something to do with Jesus. We've seen it over the last couple of weeks. As we've been getting to know some of these kings of Israel, we've also been getting introduced to prophets. the prophets who are spokespeople for God. They come to kings, they come to people to speak God's word of truth to them. Regardless of the ears that will hear it or the hearts that will receive it, their call is to speak truth. In chapter 17 of the story, we're introduced to two different prophets, both Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Both of these prophets speak very, very hard words to God's people. Words that they will be destroyed. Words that they will be cast into exile. Words telling them that they have been faithless. However, both Ezekiel and Jeremiah, even in the midst of that, still offer words of hope, still offer words of life, and still point people to the promises of God. Pastor Kevin read for us today from Ezekiel chapter 37. If you've never read Ezekiel before, it is a wild book. If you open it and try to read it, you might go, holy smokes, I don't know what I'm reading. Well, Ezekiel is filled with these visions and he lives out these visions. And in Ezekiel 37, there's this vision of a valley of dry bones. And God tells Ezekiel, this is the nation of Israel right now. A valley of dry bones. Dead, dried out skeletons. But then God says to Ezekiel, "Prophesy." Prophesy. Through God's encouragement in this vision, muscles and skin begin to form on these skeletons. And then God says, prophesy, breath, and breath enters these bodies, and they stand up, and they live. This is a vision that God gives to Ezekiel and to us, that life can come even out of death and decay. God's promise for life will not be stopped. God will not be stopped in giving eternal life to people. No evil king can stop him. No foreign nation can stop him. Nothing can stop God from giving his good promises to his people. This is why God eventually sent his son Jesus into this world. This is why Jesus came into this world to take on our flesh, to take on our sin, to take on our death. Jesus humbled himself to lift us up. Jesus gave up everything to give us everything. But I think we won't ever truly appreciate what Jesus has given to us until we are forced into these moments of humility ourselves. And if you're like me, I'm often too stubborn to notice it myself. And so I need God to shake me up a little bit and force me into humility. It's not fun, but it is effective. But there are other ways for us to live lives of humility on a daily basis as well without God having to force it upon us. We can live lives of humility daily by thinking of others more often than we think of ourselves. We can live lives of humility by allowing God's word to have its way with us. Actually, I have a coaster in my office that Marcus Huff bought for me. You can't read it, but it says humbled daily. Humbled daily. It sits on my desk. I put my coffee on it. And this last week, uh, I came to work for the, for the first week in, in a long time. And also in this week, we got to deal with all this mess here at church. And one of these days, I was sitting at my desk And I spilled my water bottle all over my desk. And it was all over the papers. And I'm wiping it up in frustration. And then I looked down and water was all over this coaster. And I'm wiping it up and it just simply says, Humbled Daily. (laughs) And I smiled and I said, Yeah, God, I need to be humbled daily. Humbled daily when we are humbled, when we are forced into these moments of vulnerability and dependence upon God and other people, we are reminded of the life that we have in Christ. As we read in Colossians, as we heard in the story of Lazarus, it is Jesus who gives us life. It is Jesus who gives us the fullness of life. And that kind of life is a life that we cannot achieve on our own not through our stubbornness, not through our hard work. It is a life that is only received through true humility in the presence of Christ. Jesus will always be faithful to his promises to you. I want you to know this. He will always give you life, now and forever, even when it feels like it's all falling apart and death and decay is all that's around you. He is not finished Jesus is not finished. He will give life even to dry, dead bones by raising the dead on the last day. You will live forever. Whether you're dealing with COVID or another illness, a difficult job transition, a strained relationship, or frustrating water damage at church, again, God is at work in it all. He is working constantly in your life to draw you back to him. He wants you to know that you are not on your own. You do not have to have it all together. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, for he is your source of hope and life now and forever. In his name, amen.